0: Uh, right now, we're going to welcome Caden uh, Clark. So Caden uh, is—he's uh, been inter- new life's intern. Look at that! Uh, not very many people have uh, wore that name, that title. It's a very prestigious <laughs> honor. We've talked about him quite a bit. Here he is. Um, and uh, so Caden uh, graduated yesterday. He's been uh, doing hodgepodge things. Uh, he uh, pr- he fills the baskets with the communion elements. Uh, not a small task, honestly. Uh, we very high credentials in order to in order to do that. He did graduate, you know, very I think very high in his, his class. Huge class, thirteen people uh, graduated yesterday from Aberdeen Christian. Uh, but I just want one. Come here. He's going to do a great job this morning. And uh, with that, I just want to I want to pray for him. We're going to pray a lot today for a lot of kids, but I want to pray for him. And then when I get done, actually, I want you guys just to give him the loudest. Oh, stand, If you're feeling a standing ovation, that's fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. No, but would you, I just want you to welcome him. But let's just pray for Caden this morning. God, we thank you for the life that you've given Caden. We thank you for uh, the life that he's lived, God, the commitment that he's made to trust you. And, God, as we just prepare uh, to hear from him, we ask that your spirit would just prepare our heart this morning. And uh, we, we thank you for him, God, this time that we've had with him and just the blessing he's been. We pray this all in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Would you welcome Caden Clark this morning?
1: <laughs> oh, standing ovation. Wow. Uh, thank you, Greg, for the lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Um, as Greg mentioned, too, I did graduate yesterday from a very prestigious institution, Aberdeen Christian, Woo! class of 15. And so it's, it's a big week, big week for me. Um, my plans are to head off to Bible college. Uh, in the farm going down to Evangel, which is a, a God church down in Springfield, Missouri. And so that's why I've been interning with Rod and Greg. And as Greg mentioned, some of my many prestigious things I get to do, uh, you know, uh, putting pens in the basket, communion cups, going out to lunch, lunch with Rodney about three times a week. <laughs> and so but I, I've been super blessed uh, by all the pastors here, by by the community of New Life. And so Greg kind of wanted me to come up here and talk about uh, what my calling is, how I feel called, just kind of uh, show how your support with the youth, how it's, how it's paying off. And so I'll give a little background about myself since I'm sure many of you don't know me. Uh, I grew up in a Christian household. I have two great parents. Uh, they're here today somewhere. I see them right now. Um, they're here today. I've, uh, I hardly ever remember missing uh, a Sunday service back when I was a kid, so I'm super grateful uh, for them for that. I was always involved uh, from an early, early age. I went to Aberdeen Christian when I was super young, so from preschool uh, up until second grade I was there. I transferred over to the public school system, was there from third grade to eighth grade, uh, made it out of, the, out of the public school system alive, and then <laughs> transferred back to Aberdeen Christian uh, for my high school years. And I was, when I was looking back and reflecting on um, why I transferred, uh, to be honest, it was mostly because of sports. I had a few buddies uh, at... Uh, Holgate with me, and so they transferred over to Avenue Christian, and so I thought, you know what, I'll transfer over with them. They're my friends, um, and, you know, play some basketball, have some fun. God wasn't really the number one reason I went. It was just like, oh, cool, you know, kind of thing. And so the thing that led me to the ministry, bring out your tissues for this, very sad. My sophomore year of high school, me and this girl, we started dating. We dated for, I don't even know, like, let's say six months, and then she dumped me. Very sad, very sad. And so I had all this free time on my hands, and I was thinking, hmm, you know, there's only so many times you can watch The Notebook, eat a tub of ice cream, and cry. So I thought, well, we should probably make this a little more productive. And it was from my roots, from my parents instilling me Christian values as a kid, that when I had this time of an identity crisis, a beginning of life identity crisis, that I started reading my Bible more, I started finding comfort in it, and I still didn't know what it meant at the time. And so this is like midway through my sophomore year. And then I started de- uh, wrestling with some of these questions about um, you know, what is my purpose in life? How can I feel fulfilled? All these things that I wrestled with. I, I mean, I still wrestled with a little bit, but when I, especially when I was younger. And I realized that I was finding my identity in all the wrong things. I was finding my identity in this relationship. So when I did get dumped, I was a wreck. I was finding my identity in basketball, And so when I wasn't playing as well as I wanted to, I was a wreck. And I was finding my identity in all the wrong things and not in God. And that's what eventually led me to God. There's a, you know, maybe you guys don't, I I assume, wouldn't probably find your identity uh, in maybe a relationship. Maybe maybe you do. Some some people find it in a job. Uh, Some people find it in worldly success. But I want everyone to know that you can never reach more worldly success than I have and you're thinking, hmm, you're 18 years old, you're in high school, or I guess you just graduated, and your net worth is $47. How, <laughs> how, can, how have I reached early success? Well, I will tell you. My eighth grade year, my parents told me to get a job, to get some money. So I applied, again, for another prestigious job. I went to the Aberdeen Parks and Rec, filled in my resume, and got hired to T-ball coaching. And so, in, within two years—I don't mean to brag—I even brought this. If you don't believe me, I reached the highest success you could ever dream of in t-ball coaching. The 2021 Aberdeen Parks and Rec T-ball Coach of the Year, right here. It's right here. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And so I realized that I can't. I'm, I'm finding my identity in basketball. It's not working out. I'm finding my identity relationship, and I'm single. And I'm finding my identity in T-Ball still not working. <laughs> and so, like I, like I stated earlier, it was from my childhood, from my parents assailing me the Christian values that led me back to the Bible. And while I was still wrestling with this question of how I can feel fulfilled, I remember flip, uh, flipping to Philippians 4 one night. And Paul answered the exact question I had. Very smart guy. I'm uh, in chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In, all in, sorry, in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is something that I found great comfort in. Philippians 4.13 is kind of that verse that people you know, have on the bumper sticker that everyone knows. And Paul is in prison while he writes this letter, and that's one of the things that separates Philippians in my book. That's one of my favorite books because of how happy and content Paul is under these bad circumstances. When I was reading a commentary, kind of trying to sound a little smarter than I am, about uh, verse 11, a guy named Charles Simon. Never heard of him until this. Uh, A quote came to mind. He's an Anglican. He lived in the 1800s. Like I said, never heard of him until I read this quote, and I loved it. I thought I'd share it. Uh, While commenting on verse 11, he said, The Apostle had within himself that which was abundantly sufficient for him, even though he should be reduced to the utmost possible state of destitution so as far as related to the things of this life. He was possessed of all that man could desire. He had God as his Father, Christ as his Savior, the Holy Spirit as his Comforter, and Heaven as his home. What could he want more? Talk about a perspective. And I I remember reading this and being taken back and be like, wow. And so for Paul, it came down to who he knew, not what he had. And Paul realized something that took me a long time to figure out, and I'm still figuring it out. Paul realized something, or he realized that real contentment is not a state of account, but a state of heart. And when I read verse 13 again, I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't really mean that I can win the basketball game because Christ strengthens me. It means that the only way I can try find true fulfillment is through Christ. If I try to replace Christ in verse 13 with basketball, it doesn't work. If I say, I can do all things through a relationship that strengthens me, it doesn't work. If I can do all things through drugs that strengthen me, it doesn't work. And so I, I, I'm still realizing it now, but it's something that hit home for me. In verse 11, Paul says, I don't say this out of need for I have learned to be content. And I had to learn to be content, like we all do. I again I'll use another T-ball analogy. Deeply theological. In T ball, when you get to about a little older, you get about eight, nine years old, you start getting these kids come out, you know, they got all this all the stuff. They got all the as our generation would call it, they got all the drip. So they got they got the glasses, they got the cleats, they got, you know, everything you could think of, the biggest bat in the world. And they're feeling like they're on top of the world until they see another kid with maybe a little bigger bat, maybe a little cooler cleats, maybe a little cooler this. And so they're not content anymore. And I'm glad we all grow out of that, and we never have to worry about that ever again. We never compare ourselves. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I know I've compared myself to a lot of people in life, and it's leading me not to be content. You know, maybe I'm not as good as a basketball player as this person. Maybe I'm not as smart as this person. Maybe I'm not as funny as this person. And so all these things, they, they were wearing on me, and I finally found my contentment in Christ by reading the Bible. And I realized that if I try and put the puzzle together without God, it's never going to work. One of my favorite psalms, I got to learn it in first grade at Aberdeen Christian. I had to memorize it. It's Psalms 23. It's a a psalm of David. And like I said, it's one of my favorites. He says in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I had to realize that the only way I shall not want is if I have the Lord as my shepherd. And so this is this is kind of my burden for my generation and for everyone when I you know, go into ministry. Is that I read statistics about Gen Z, Gen Z, we have a 4% biblical worldview. Depression rates are on the rise, anxiety rates are on the rise, suicide rates are on the rise, all these all these things. And people are looking for contentment. And I have well, I, I can point people to the message of, of Jesus for contentment. And that's that's my burden for this generation. I know that's a, 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 the burden of a lot of. These people you'll see here in a minute, up here. Because I see the world hurting, and I would hope to share the message of peace with them. And so as we transition into our Bible study leaders, I just pray that you'll be praying for me as I go into ministry. I'll be, uh, Please be praying for these young people as they go. And please pray for Greg and Brad for putting up with me.
0: (laughs) Yes, can we give Caden just a big round of applause?